welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 147 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cold coffee? Well, I'll be honest, he's probably snuggled up in bed right now at home. I hope he is. I hope he's getting some sleep. It is 3.30 in the morning, Monday morning, Las Vegas time. And uh, I apologize that we're coming to you late, about 24 hours later than we'd want to sit down and do this. But uh, bottom line is we just couldn't get to the and a half episode. Such a crazy night on Saturday night. Two shows in the books, Bellator 192, Rampage versus Sonnen, UFC 220, Miocic versus Naganu. And, uh, well, hopefully you guys know by now, as much as we love the MMA Roadshow, and we do, MMA Junkie is where our primary source of income lies. So... We had some work to get done, and both of us being uh, on opposite coasts. I got to say, to the entire MMA Junkie crew, man, it was a nutty, nutty night with the dual events going on back and forth. I know you guys as fans were stretched thin, trying to figure out how you were going to watch everything, and, and we were doing the same. It was uh, myself in L- in L.A., it was funny. It was myself and, uh, or I guess, excuse me, Inglewood, California is actually where we were, but the L.A. Forum, myself. Simon Samano, who's a Los Angeles area resident as well, he was sitting next to me on press row, and we had his uh, we had his iPad actually sitting up uh, right in between our computers. So we had the Bellator action unfolding live right in front of us, and then we had the iPad sitting in between us where we were streaming everything. Thanks to uh, thanks to UFC Fight Pass and Fox Sports Go, and then of course we bought the uh, the pay per view online through UFC.tv. So we watched everything there. Fortunately, the uh, the internet held up pretty well at the arena, so we got a pretty good stream. We got a little buffer here and there on the uh, on the card on the on the UFC card, but we were we were uh, watching both at the same time. So uh, much like I'm sure many of you were with dual screen action, we were doing the same thing. It was just one of the screens happened to be live right in front of us. So apologize for the lateness, but the bottom line is we just uh, didn't have time to get at everything, and it, it was a it was a nutty night. So big thanks to the entire MMA Junkie team for. For pulling everything off, man, I thought we had a good night of coverage. I was pretty proud as I as I look back on everything we did. Hopefully, you guys thought we covered both events fairly and, and well, but I, I feel like we had a little bit of everything from both locations, so we're super happy to do that. So anyway, but bottom line is we decided, hey, better late than never. Unfortunately, couldn't get with Kolkavi, so I took the uh, – I worked until about uh, probably – 4 a.m. Uh, on Saturday night slash Sunday morning, and then uh, I had a 7 a.m. flight out, so it wasn't enough time to get everything done, and I still need to pack up and stuff, so unfortunately it just wasn't enough time to get done, uh, and then once I flew home, uh, I got home early in the morning, but, uh, you know, obviously wanted to say hello to my family, spend a little time with them, uh, we did some, we cooked out, watched a little football, oh, man, I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be the shocking team into the to the Super Bowl, but that didn't get done. Then the Eagles rolled. Watched a little bit of football, but napped a little bit. Spent some time with the family, cooked out, that sort of thing. And I'm actually going back to L.A. this morning. I'm taking a uh, 7 a.m. flight to uh, back to L.A. and meeting up with the with the man, the editor-in-chief, Dan Stuff. We're having some meetings with uh, our USA Today bosses in L.A., but uh, I, I did want to come home and see my family first. But all that aside, just figured, hey, there's still time to squeeze in a little road show this morning. Meanwhile, man, cold coffee, he actually uh, got in kind of late last night. Of course, on the East Coast, man, East Coast pay-per-views are the worst. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they just inside. I mean, by the time you get back to your hotel, it's already like 3.34 in the morning. Then you still got to process all the video and all that stuff. So uh, he got in late last night, so he's sleeping right now, and then uh, he's going to be hanging out later today. So that's why we're not back together, even though technically we're both in Vegas 
at least for another couple of hours. Uh, so let me just let's start with Bellator if that's okay with everybody because that's that's where I was. I was at uh, Bellator. 192 Rampage versus Sonnen. It was funny. I hadn't thought about it until just now. There was so much made of the main event, which is the main event. Shouldn't Roy McDonald versus Douglas Lima be the main event? And, and I say going into the fight, I, I would switch to, I would have had Chael and Quentin in the main event too. And I still believe in that. I still think that's the truth. They were the one getting the bulk of the media coverage. They were the one getting the bulk of both, you know, especially from casuals. I mean, I mean, I know hardcores were excited about the welterweight matchup, but you know, when you looked at clicks on our website, and then when you just looked at all the mainstream stuff, I mean, Quentin and Chael were definitely getting the, the most uh, attention and the both the most headlines. So I still think that that they deserve that main event slot. But I was just looking at it this morning. I wonder. Had the event just been known as Bellator 192 Lima versus McDonald, and then Chael and Rampage fought in the last fight, does that appease everybody? Would that work better? Because I like, again, I said it going in, I, uh, I like what Paramount did. They said, look, we've got a, do a double main event, but just so you guys know, all throughout the year, this tournament stuff is going to take place after the main event. You know, it's going to be the last fight of the night. And I think that's a wise decision. Again, I think they just, botched it going in because they didn't say that going in. I think if they'd have said it going in, they'd have done themselves more favors. I, I, you know, I think the bottom line is the decision was made kind of late in the process, but I think they made the right decision. But I wonder if they still called the event Bellator 192 Lima versus McDonald, if that appeased people a little bit. I don't know, just a random thought there. But it, the way it did happen, Chael Sonnen, Rampage Jackson in the, uh, the main event, and I gotta say, man... I got. I, I give Chael a lot of credit, and I thought he fought a smart fight, man. And it may not have been the most exciting fight, but we knew going in he had to get takedowns, right? I mean, bottom line, he had to get takedowns, and he got them. But you know, he didn't just sell out to takedowns at the beginning. I mean, he, he had a couple, he had a couple, uh, you know, shots on the feet that landed pretty well early on, to be honest with you. So I, you know, I thought he handled himself pretty well. You could tell he did not want to get hit, and who could blame him? power was coming on the other side there's no question about it i thought chill i was fairly impressed landed up top a little bit a few times got the left hand in avoided the big replies from rampage jackson got the takedowns i'm okay with that man i, I you know chill lives to fight another day and lives to get a lot more headlines uh a lot of the pre-fight packaging obviously i didn't see the tv broadcast but a lot of the uh in-house packaging i can say videos throughout the night were Chael. I mean, he's so good on camera, and he's, he's so fantastic. The countdown shows were amazing. Um, I thought they really did a good job of utilizing Chael, and I thought Chael did a good job of playing the part. But a lot of the videos in-house, in fact, I don't know if they showed it on the broadcast. I'm assuming they did, but they had one of him basically, like, you know, doing a poem to, like, rail on everybody, every single other entrant in the, uh, in the heavyweight tournament. So, I don't know. It's kind of good. Chill's, Chill's a fantastic marketer. Um, and, and I was fairly impressed with the way he fought. Now, Rampage, it was interesting because on Fight Week, you know, I was talking to Mark Raimondi of MMA Fighting. I actually thought Rampage looked better than I thought he would, you know. Um, I do agree. A lot of people said it. Uh, you know, I talked to Frank Mir earlier in the week, and he said it. Chael said it, too. He's like, listen, if, if Rampage comes in around, like, 2.30, I'm a little bit worried because that to me means he took training seriously. He's in shape. Um, you know, that scares me a little bit. If he comes in at 250, eh, maybe I'm not as concerned because I know that he probably did. And he ended up coming in at, what, 253? 
the thing is, you know, Rampage made a lot of, 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 you know, his thyroid issue and changes he made and how he approached it differently and um, dedication. And I will say physically, I thought he looked better than the last time out. And I mentioned Mark Raimondi because he said the same thing. You know, I, I saw a lot of the hate online saying, ah, Rampage looks terrible, Rampage looks terrible. Now, this is pre-fight. I thought he actually looked pretty good. I thought he looked to be in decent shape. Um, but no, <laughs> he did not appear to fight that way. And I'm a little bit concerned now. I, you know, I had some talk with some people after fight. Like, where does Rampage go from here? You know, after the, the the clear decision loss, you know, he got it going a little bit in the third round. I think by that time, maybe, I don't think Chael was getting tired. But, yeah, I mean, dealing with the heavier man, dealing with the bigger man, being his concern. I mean, he got, he got hit to the body a few times, and you could tell it bothered him. But where does Rampage go? I mean, you lost to essentially a, a middleweight. And I still think Rampage is remarkable, man. Oh, the crowd reaction that he gets, oh, the media attention he gets, the, 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 the man, he still got it. When he walks into a room, people still like, oh, man, that's Rampage. That's Rampage. They still do it. But you just lost to a middleweight. And didn't look particularly threatening in doing so. So, you know, he, he said there's only a handful of fights left. And I'm sure they can find some fights for him. I just I just don't know necessarily exactly what it is. Uh, meanwhile, Chael gets to move on. And, and how I think that's great for Bellator. I think that means more headlines. And I, and I think that means, you know, they get to use him, um, you know, in the build-up all along. Now you get to use Chael on broadcast and on everything in all these other first-round matchups. Uh, so that's kind of some genius of... Chael being first, fighting first, and winning first is now you can use him all on the way, knowing that he's going to be in that next round. Now, the scary thing is he fights a true heavyweight next. He'll fight the winner, Frank Mir versus Fedor Melianenko. You know, is is the better matchup Fedor just because of the size? Or is it, you know, a better matchup with Frank Mir? Not that Frank Mir doesn't have knockout power, any heavyweight does, but you think of him more for his grappling strengths. Than his wrestling or than his striking strengths, I should say. So that's kind of debatable too. I mean, Frank's the far bigger, naturally guy. You could see the face-offs. I mean, he's a much bigger man than Fedor Melianenko. So I, I kind of wonder what the best matchup is for for Chael moving forward. Is it Fedor because he's a smaller man, though? Definitely has pop in his hands, and it ain't exactly like he's a slouch on the ground either. Or is it Frank Mir, who's you know one of the best heavyweight grapplers of all time? Has knockout, you know, knockout power, but is also coming off that layoff due to the suspension. So maybe the ring rust is there. I don't know, but it's it's a tall order for Chael. He's um, he's gonna have to fight a true heavyweight next. Not that Quentin didn't, you know, weigh in as a heavyweight, but not a natural heavyweight. So anyway, uh, had a chance to speak with Chael briefly afterwards uh, at the post-fight press conference. Uh, don't forget, he gets to uh, he gets to collect on thirty thousand dollars in bet money. They had a bet, uh, ten thousand dollars a bet. Uh, the the their ten thousand dollars a takedown was the bet that was made with Rampage, uh, and he did get three takedowns. So uh, let's hear a few minutes from Chael Sonnen, who I, I thought, to be honest, again, I, I thought this was an impressive win. Chael, uh, impressive win for you tonight. You Thank know, you. Very big win. Obviously, the physical tests, uh, the physical challenge that that was in there against a much bigger, stronger man. So can I just ask you kind of how you feel right now, what this win means to you? Yeah, man, I'm a little sore right now. He kind of, everything he touched uh, hurt, you know. Uh, a really powerful guy, and he's a really mean guy. I, I try to score points sometimes, move around. Everything he did was, was you know, looking to just crush you, looking to break you. So, uh, 
uh, that's how I feel right now, but I'm, I'm happy it's over with. I'm glad to get, uh, get him passed. You know, it's a tournament. I grew up doing tournaments, and one, one of the things about it is you gotta, you got to advance any way you can and, uh, you know, and then hanging in there and, and being durable. We got, we got alternates lined up for that very reason, but uh, I think if Rampage and I got lucky anywhere, it was that we got to go first, so we'll have the most recovery. Nice. You made it clear, you know, takedowns were going to win you this fight, and, and it did. But in the first round, you were having quite a bit of success on the feet, landing the left hand a little bit, faking the takedown. I'm curious, was that always your strategy? Did you think you would be able to strike with them a little bit, or did that just kind of happen on the fly? Uh, no, well, I, I don't know if I ever thought about it too much, but I, I always try to punch my way in and get close to where the other guy's at and, and set him up. Um, I've had fights before where I can't take the guy down, so uh, you know, I work on that stuff every day. I, I had dreams in 2000 of, of being an Olympian for boxing. I never talk about it. I ended up uh, pursuing wrestling, but I've been boxing. I think I box more than any of these guys have. I, I don't know that they've ever competitively boxed. I used to uh, competitively box, so um, you know, it, it's definitely plan B for me, but I, I know how to box. And last thing for me, Chael, maybe kind of a funny question since you're victorious tonight, but knowing how tough it was and, you know, knowing, as you said, how, how strong and powerful he was, does it give you any pause at all to think that, you know, the guy that's coming out of the next side of your bracket is going to be a true heavyweight? Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to get better. I got to get better for sure. I got to make some changes. I didn't fully know what I was getting into tonight. I got some sparring partners that are big, but, you know, they're not as good as Rampage. They're not as strong as Rampage. And, uh... Uh, yeah, so I learned a lot in there tonight, and um, I got to get better. I got to make some changes. I don't know that I'll try to get uh, stronger, but some of my movements got to be different. Some angles got to be different. Uh, but I, I didn't know how else to do it. I had to jump in there, right? The date was set. The contract was signed. So, um, yes, to answer your question, yes, I, I got I to gotta improve. He was attacking your body pretty pretty severely. It looked like you had a lot of redness uh, on your torso. Can you compare Rampage's power to someone else? I mean, who is the next most powerful guy you've ever felt punches like that? Oh, yeah. You know what? Vandalay Silva actually hit really hard, too. Um, he would be second. Rampage would be one. He hit me uh, He hit me somewhere in that fight. I don't know the round in the body. And I went, oh. And uh, he heard that. And he just dropped his hands and just, I mean, he must have hit me ten more times. But there's nothing I can do. It's a, it's a natural reaction when you get hit, right? It doesn't matter if you're a prize fighter or just a, a regular guy. Ah, uh, is, is, is very natural. So I think I tipped him off a little bit there. I didn't have much of a poker face, and, and, and I paid for it. And we know that you and Rampage had a little bit of a bet going into this one. How do you go about collecting that 30K? Are you going to wait for him by the, by the door? Is he going to mail you a check? What's the, well, what's the deal there? I'll tell you this. We'll see if he is a man of honor. We did shake on that, but... Uh, I'll tell you the other side, I will not cash his check. But I do expect him to hand me one. But uh, what I do with it is my business. But I'll tell you, I, I will not cash that check. In the second main event, Roy McDonald picked up a win over Douglas Lima. Gutsy, gutsy, gutsy win for Roy McDonald. Uh, listen, here, here's how I, I, I had the fight scored, 48-47. Uh, I had um, Roy McDonald winning the first two rounds, Douglas Lima winning rounds three and four, and I had Roy McDonald winning round five. And it's weird because as far as I'm concerned, I, 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 I'm torn on this one because I have high praise for Roy McDonald's heart. My God, that leg. 
I mean, the desperation that he had for the takedowns in the later rounds, you could tell he just, A, certainly did not want to get kicked in that leg. And, and, and B, I think, I mean, well, I guess it really just boils down to that. <laughs> did not want to get kicked in that leg. But his face was messed up, too. Man, he was busted up in the face as well, too. And that scares me a little bit. Um, you know, I mentioned going into the fight, I picked Douglas Lima because, you know, people that I trust in, as far as talent development and, and talent evaluation in the UFC have said to me that they believe he's done. And, and they didn't mean that as an insult, but they just believe that he, his body doesn't have a lot left. And that scares me a little bit, too, because I don't think... Now, I know Douglas Lima hits hard, but I don't think he hit him with that much, either in the face or the leg. I, I, you know, I thought Lima was very, very hesitant in this fight. Very hesitant in this fight. Um, and, and kudos to Rory, because th- I think the reason for that is that Rory was setting the pace. He was he was pressuring, and he was countering well when Lima did throw, and I think that's what made Lima hesitant. So, uh, you know, don't take away from Rory, but at the end of the day, I, I was not impressed with, with Douglas Lima's performance here. So, you know, yet Rory looked busted up. And that scares me a little bit as far as Rory's future goes. Um, The leg, maybe it was just a freak accident. You know, I mean, it's weird how, you know, know, hematomas and stuff like that. Yes, when you throw shots, you're you're looking to do damage. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody coach a way to throw a strike in such a way that it creates a hematoma on their opponent. Um, That, yes, that is a result of throwing. But... I just feel like Roy's body is not reacting very well to this damage right now, right? I mean, I, I thought the, the damage to the face, the damage to the leg, did not. It, it looked like he was in more of a war than he was actually in. So that scares me a little bit as far as, you know, what Rory has left. But the dude has the heart of a fighter, man. The dude battled through all that, just continued to get right in Lima's face, knew the only way for him to win this fight was to get a takedown and get on top. And he found a way to do it. So I will never, ever, ever question the heart, the will, the desire of Roy McDonald. Because he proved it here, man. Just A++ gutsy effort, man. Just what a, a, a fight. But I will say this too. Douglas Lima, that performance in the fifth round especially, I do not understand it. Head scratcher to me. Um, the rounds were close. One through four was close. Close, close, close. And I don't think either man could have felt very good about how things were scored. Now, um, again, not getting to hear the broadcast and um, the way the Bellator cage is set up. At UFC events, um, there's actually nothing between us and the blue corner. So we can hear and we can actually, uh, depending on the the volume of the crowd and and the volume of the music and stuff like that, a lot of times it's tougher in main events, but it's easier in the prelims or or even the undercard. Um, You can hear what's going on in that corner. Now the champion is on the other side. So we wouldn't have been able to hear what was going on in person, even if it was a UFC event, Um, which Bellator, I guess to finish my thought, Bellator puts us behind a a barricade and there's a row of VIPs right in front of us and then some space. So we don't necessarily um, get to hear anything in the corner. But I don't know what Lima's corner was telling him, but, um, you know, I just would feel like a a fight that close, you you know you can't take the fifth round off. And I feel like Douglas Lima took the fifth round off. He was on his back working a closed guard. And on my scorecard, it was even. So on my scorecard, for every minute he was laying on his back in closed guard was a minute that he was letting the fight slip away. And as it turned out, 
yeah, that is what happened. Now, um, the scores were uh, a little wider than I thought they would have been with 49-47, or excuse me, 49-45 and 49-46 being in the end. But uh, I just, I, I was, it was puzzling to me. It was puzzling to me. And uh, I, I don't know if Douglas Lima just thought it w- if he was exhausted. We, we didn't get to talk to him afterwards. Um, so I don't know if, if he was just exhausted. And, and that was all he was capable of, which if it is, then, hey, man, if, you're, if your body's done and that's all you can do, then uh, I get it. That's all there is. But if that was a strategical thing that he was like, man, you know what? I just need to make sure I don't get knocked out here because I'm ahead on the scorecards. All I need to do is just ride this out and let him, you know, he can take this round. To, I mean, if it was a strategical error, costly, man. Very, very costly. Very costly. So, um, interesting fight. You know, maybe they should run it back. I mean, there's other fights out there. Roy, of course, wants to go to middleweight. He wants to be a, a dual division champion. Roy is a star. Um, he gets paid well. Again, he's going to take some time to heal up. There's other matchups out there. So, it, I don't think that Beltor has to run this back. But I think they could. I think they could. You know, I... I don't know. The way it finished, I'm not sure if it's necessarily what has to happen right now. Um, but I think it would be I think it was a good fight and I think doing it again would be would be fun. And and maybe Douglas Lima could handle himself a little bit different. Maybe Roy McDonough wouldn't be battling through injuries, so maybe his side would be different as well. Um I think we'd probably see this again at some point, but uh costly mistake there for Douglas Lima, but kudos to Roy McDonough. I hope that he recovers quickly. Um and, and hope that, you know, uh it, the, the the damage and the injuries weren't as bad as we think and, and you know maybe he's just one of those guys I mean heck his buddy George St. Pierre man he used to come out of fights looking rough looking rough whether or not he was that beat up or not so maybe that's what it is with Roy maybe that face and that nose and just it's just that at this point in his career it's just always going to look rough after a fight we'll see Michael Chandler picked up and I, oh I guess I should say I, I would p- play some audio from Roy McDonald but of course, he didn't get to come to the uh, post-fight press conference. <laughs> we knew right away. It was funny. Bellator officials came and apologized to us. They're like, hey, we're sorry. You know, we, we're not going to be able to bring Roy. Like, Bro, we had already <laughs> – we all knew he was going to the hospital. Michael Chandler picked up a unanimous decision win over Goichi Yamauchi. Fun fight. Fun, fun fight. Um, it's kind of crazy that you can have a fight that's 30-26, 30-26, 30-25 and still say it was fun and still say it was entertaining. I, I was thoroughly entertained by it. Goichi Yamauchi. I'm high on this kid. I think he's a, a really talented fighter. Um, you know, he's got a great career record. He's still just 25 years old. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of upside to him. His submission game is strong. He, you know, he's also got the, the, the karate style uh, attacks. You know, he landed that, that that's a little question mark kick that hurt Chandler pretty bad um, in the uh, second round, I believe it was. It was a fun fight, but Michael Chandler, man, when he gets going and, and you know, is, is on point. He is as vicious as anybody in the division. Just unbelievable. Fun fun stat I, I actually heard, um, and I won't say where I heard it, but um, I, I was told that maybe these these things will be made public in the official in, in the future, I should say. But I heard that uh, Michael Chandler came in on fight night weighing 179 pounds. 179. Put on 20. Four pounds, 23 pounds. I can't remember. He probably came in at 156. I know he needed the towel. But on 23 pounds, gosh, 15% of what your body weight was when you weighed in, big, big, strong. And he looked uh, 
he looked vicious here, man. He he is a dangerous cat, and uh, you know got through some trouble and was able to pound out Goichi Yamauchi. Just the oh man, the ground and pound, blood ugh, everywhere. Yamauchi, tough as they come, was fighting to the very end. Um, Chandler's interesting. He said, "Listen, I I don't um, I don't know that I necessarily want a title shot next." You know, Brent Premis beat him controversially i guess we'll say it was you know it was the whole if you remember back to new york it was the whole foot you know foot slash ankle injury thing of course then you, you oh man that famous gif of the the commission pulling the seat out from underneath him that certainly didn't help anything but you know, that leg was in pretty bad shape and and, and and so i kind of understand and then chandler wanted the rematch and, and premise had some stuff going on with his family and he couldn't do it chandler meanwhile says oh yeah well you know while you were going i'm adopting a kid building a house moving across the country like what's your family got going on that you can't deal with you know but so uh you know he's, he's pretty angry at premise so you know he said listen i don't know if a title shot's really what i want next though in the end he did say listen uh maybe it's uh you know, if if Scott Coger tells me you want me in a title shot next, then I'll probably relent and take a title shot. But uh, you know, he's look, he's looking at big fights outside of the division. Chandler's a guy that's been around Bellator for a long time. He is such a company guy too. It's hilarious. Like hearing him talk about the Paramount Network and hearing him talk about Scott Coger. I mean, the dude, uh, you couldn't ask for a, a better guy to have on your roster, man. He gets how to sell the company. He gets how to sell himself. You know, he's not um, selling in the trash talk way, but I mean, he understands. Um, maybe cut from the Uriah Faber-esque mold, you know, where he knows how to push the products that are that are sponsoring him. He knows how to he knows how to be a part of that. He knows how to be that company guy. That, like he's as good as they come, man. And uh, he, he's he's dangerous. I, I I really enjoy watching him fight, as I also enjoy watching Aaron Pico fight. My God, this kid is for real. You know, it's funny. I don't know how long it's going to take to build back the hype. And, and and maybe you can't ever build it back, right? Like, maybe it was too much. I mean, the, the uh, you know, I think the famous, what the ESPN article, the Brett Akimoto, Akimoto article, uh, you know, is this the best prospect ever, I think is I think was their headline. And not that they were the only ones to use that or to tap that idea. And, and hell, Brett, I mean, I don't even know if he wrote that headline. A lot of times you don't write headlines, your, your copy editors do. Um, but, I mean, when you call anybody the best ever before they've ever fought a fight, I mean, it's impossible to deliver, right? It's it's absolutely impossible to deliver. And, of course, Aaron Pico came out and infamously lost in the first round, 24 seconds of his professional debut, and everybody was just like, oh, my God. But at 21 years old, man, this kid is the real deal. You know, wrestling, striking, and now, you know, after that loss, two straight first-round knockouts, and this one was just vicious. The liver shot, just, oh. You know, the funny thing was he landed to the body earlier in the fight. I mean, in 37 seconds, he dropped Shane Cruckton early with a body shot, and then came back and finished the job uh, with just a, a shot that folded him in half. And this kid is exciting, man. The kid is incredibly exciting. And uh, sign me up. If he's fighting, I'm in. I want, I want to watch him. 21 years old, this is the new generation. And, uh, man, you know, I just, I guess props to, props to Bellator for taking the shot. Signing this kid, investing money in him, before, you know, well before they they knew he wasn't going to be pro for a long time, and they 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 had the foresight to go ahead and invest some money in him and to to announce his signing when he was a teenager, and and now here he is delivering for him, 
and uh, it looks like there is a ton of upside for this kid, and and, and I want to watch him fight. And it's great because, you know, he wants to be aggressive. He wants to be aggressive. Uh, he, he wants to fight like that every time out. He's, you know, he had a, a great quote afterwards where he talks about um, his aggression and how the fact that, you know what, yeah, he's going to be aggressive. Sorry. That's just what he's going to do. Uh, if it takes years off his life, but it makes him a successful fighter and allows him to provide for his family, then that's what he'll do. That is a crazy awesome mindset to have as a fighter maybe just crazy but you got to be a little crazy to be a fighter right if you want to lock yourself in a cage with another man hell-bent on doing destruction to you you got to be a little bit crazy right this guy's got an edge to him he's got an edge to him and you know he's uh you know works at ak but also a lot of work at the body shop that crew right now aj mckee joey davis we'll talk about just briefly in a moment man they they, they got something they're a good-looking crew uh, listen to Aaron Pico, man. I think I, I think this kid. If, if you're not on the Aaron Pico bandwagon yet, if you jumped off because of that debut loss and, and you wrote him off, you might want to give it another visit after this performance. That was a great night for me. I mean, I felt relaxed out there. I had a great training camp. Everything went well. Nah, there's not much to say. Just to go out there and have fun. And uh, I know I, I have a lot of power in my hands. So it was a good night for me. Aaron, as you said, uh, not a lot to say. I mean, there wasn't much fight to uh, to judge in there. But overall, I mean, how did you feel about your performance? It, obviously, everybody was uh, incredibly impressed with what you did. I felt great. Um, I just needed, you know, the experience. This whole training camp went well. No injuries, no nothing. So I felt so good coming into the fight, especially being with Antonio. Everything just everything just felt right. I mean, I was I was nervous. Of course, I'm always nervous, but I just knew this was just I. It's just my time. I feel good at featherweight. 145 is the perfect weight for me. I feel strong, fast, and uh, like I said, if I just need time. As I, time is my friend right now. So each time I keep fighting, it's just gonna get better and better. So I'm having a good time. The body shot was how you ended the fight, but it was there early for you as well. I mean, did you have a feeling that that was gonna be a, a weapon you could use tonight? I knew I was gonna knock him out with the body shot. I didn't really say it. I just knew he was just long, lanky. I just knew if I got to the inside, I've seen a couple of tapes on him. Uh, he's taking some kicks to the body, which he didn't really, really like. So I knew if I get to the inside on him and I let it rip, he's just gonna go down. There would be no way he would be able to stand. So I showed it tonight. You know, as you're developing, I think people, they say, you know, your aggression is, is something to watch, but it's also a little concerning, too. Maybe you're a little wild, maybe you're a little too fast out of the gate. What do you think? Do you think that's something you have to be careful about, or do you feel like that's actually a strength of yours? Uh, I'm, I'm working on it with, with Antonio, my defense, but I'm a fighter. That's just what I do. Like I said, I'll, I'll take one to give five. That's just kind of who I am. And like I said, this is a, a fighting sport, and that's just, you're going to take punches if I take eight years off my life because I took some punches in the in the cage I'm okay with that as long as my family's good and I had a good career I'm fine with it but like you said I need to work on my defense that's something I work on every day and uh, I'm a fighter I'll just go in there and, and fight nice and last thing for me I mean obviously you've had these high expectations on you for so long and you're still so young in your career but where do you feel like you need to go from here I mean I mean they're talking about championship fights and contender fights is, is that silly three fights into your career or do you feel like you know you're already at that level uh, it's all up to my coaches to be honest with you I mean my job right now is just to focus on getting better I wake up every day I got to work on being the best fighter that I could possibly be at the end of the day, I got to sit down with my team and figure out where we go next. I know 
you know, being champ of the world, you know, just of course I'm going to be there for sure, but it, it requires so much. You know, you got to have, you know, you have to be, take tougher and tougher fights. I'm only 21 years old. It's a lot of stuff going. So was, when my team feels that I'm ready to, to fight for the championship, then uh, I'll be more than happy to. But for me, mentally, I'm always ready to fight. That's just, just who I am. So. Uh, can you compare uh, the knockout punches, Justin Lin, uh, to the jaw versus this one tonight? I'm sorry, say that again? Can you compare the knockout punches, Justin Lin, versus this one? Oh, for me, the big, I mean, they're both really, really great, but I like this because I'm in front of my home, in front of my friends and family. Um, but the Justin Lin knockout was really good. I don't know, it's just, anytime you get a knockout, it's just, it's just a good feeling, for sure. All right, the main, first main card of Bellator, the uh, first main card fight, Henry Corrales picked up a dance decision win over Georgie. Karakanyan, Henry Corrales, uh, and now he's got a couple couple big wins. He's fighting out the MMA, MMA lab in Arizona, which I'm a big fan of those guys, John Crouch, uh, anybody that's out there. It was nice to see him in the corner. Uh, but Henry Corrales credited him for his uh, his win streak and also dropped a couple of F-bombs on live TV, so that was good. <laughs> uh, the prelims. Okay, should say this. Bellator, uh, their product overall was good, man, especially these tentpole events with the big in-stage setup, and, and it felt good, man. It really did. Um, they had a lot going on in there, and, and the presentation was nice. It was fun. But this whole seven post-limb fight things, I, it's too much, man. It's too much. And here it is. It's 3.30. Well, now it's a little after that, but it's, you know, after 4 a.m. on Monday morning. I still don't know what the results of those seven post-limb fights were. Uh, and that to me is just weird, man. I, there's, you know, I guess they're waiting. I guess Bellator's waiting to get the word from the committee. Mean, there's, you have seven fights that I get it are to sell tickets, and you want the. I, I understand the logic. You want the house full, right? So you have these local ticket sellers fight after your main card because your your assumption being that all those people that are there to see their friends and family will 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 stay in the arena and be in the arena and wait for their guys to fight, and that's cool, right? Whatever. It's, I just don't dig it, man. Are you telling me that your your product isn't good enough? That that the people that bought tickets to to see these fighters won't stick around and watch Roy McDonald versus Douglas Lima? Won't stick around and watch Chael versus Rampage? I just don't buy into that. I, I don't know, man. I just it's too many fights, man. Seventeen fights? It's too much. It's too much. Less, please. Do less. Don't have all these post limbs. If you got one or two. I get it. Seven, and they're going on while the they're going on while the the, the post fight press conference is going on. So no media is watching them. So nothing gets done there. Uh, the camera people aren't working anymore. So nobody's recording it. So just it's it's not even you don't even have it as tape for the future. I, I, I get the logic behind it. I get the logic behind it, but I really think they need to look at it again. I, I just. It seems like a waste. Uh, but I did want to mention the prelims brief briefly. We did see Connery Gracie, the son of Hoist Gracie, losing a decision to Devin Brock. That was a big highlight there. Um, Connery Gracie looks athletic, man. He really does. You know, just the eyeball test. You look at him, he looks athletic. Um, but he just didn't have a great performance here. 
uh, Devin Brock was, was able to easily defend the takedowns. He was a smaller man, but he was able to get in and out of range and, and didn't allow Conor Gracie to strike from distance. Um, and just a, a pretty clear-cut decision when Conor's he's got some work to do if he's gonna if he's gonna be I mean first of all let's be honest it kind of sucks being the son of Hoist Gracie right I mean, it really does like uh, it's just the expectations you know you look at like a Ryan Couture uh you, you know you look at the, the Shamrock's kid I mean it's just it's tough to have those legendary names and, and to be the son of Hoist you know uh I know there's a ton of Gracies out there and they all have expectations just having the name Gracie puts expectations on you, whether fairly or unfairly. But then to be the son of Hoist, man, expectations through the roof, right? Difficult, difficult position for him to be in. Um, it's going to open doors for him. He'll probably always be able to get on these cards if he wants, but he's got some work to do, that's, that's for sure. You know, maybe it was nerves, I don't know, but tough. But listen, the one I took out of the prelims, Joey Davis. This kid looks like the real deal as well. This kid looks like somebody to keep your eye on as well. Uh, undefeated in his career now. Uh, just getting started, to be honest with you, in his career, but 3-0, and um, but looks fantastic. He had a decision when to start out, a couple of knockouts now. This is a uh, an undefeated wrestler, you know, uh, not many people go undefeated in the wrestling career, even if it's not at the highest level, but then, again, the work that he's putting in with uh, A.J. McKee, with Aaron Pico, man, you got a group of youngsters here that have got something going, and uh, this spinning back kick knockout to the liver, that was the first fight of the night, so Joey Davis, Joey Black Ice. Keep your eye on him, man. He uh, he was impressive to me. All right, so listen. Uh, while all that was going on, we were we were watching the the, uh, the UFC show as well. UFC 220, Miocic versus Nganu. We were keeping an eye on all that as well, and got to come out of there with with just nothing but praise from Stipe Miocic. The unanimous decision win over Francis Nganu. Very clear, obviously in the, in the later stage. It was it was it was funny because the way things ended. Uh, the way things ended, basically the, the main event for Bellator was done before the main event for uh, UFC was done. And, of course, we had a post-fight press conference to go to. And there was a, a, a big group of us kind of piled around that iPad at that point. You know, myself and Simon Simano have been watching it all, all night. Uh, Gareth A. Davies had kind of walked over behind us. Um, uh, excuse me, a couple more people were, were, were kind of piled around behind us as well. Um, and we were all kind of watching the fight, and I said, listen, if you could do us a favor and uh, not start this press conference until this fight is over, that would help, because I think there's a lot of us here that will probably be taking part in your press conference that want to watch how this fight goes. Uh, and, it, man, how good was it early on? Oh, my God, the first two rounds especially just, whoo, threatening, man, threatening. You know, Francis coming out swinging hard, and Nganu is a beast. There's no question about it. But Stipe showing the veteran poise, uh, showing a, a granite chin, and uh, shaking off the, the cobwebs after he would get rocked by those single blows, coming back, landing on his own, getting takedowns. Fun, fun, tense fight. I can only imagine the, the feeling inside the building. It had to be pretty special. Heavyweight title fights, they're special. They feel big, man. They really do. It's crazy. Even though I think we as... as Hardcores know that that's not always the most talent-rich division, man. When it's when it's happening at the highest level, it just gets people excited. I can only imagine, you know, what the feeling was like inside that building. But Stipe, 
He showed what, what what a quality individual he is. He showed what a quality champion he is, and now some people saying the greatest ever. Let me talk first first about um, I guess Francis Ngannou. You know, I saw a lot of reaction, and I get it, man. Some of it's just talk or whatever. Uh, you know, oh my God, the media, the hype train, the the this and that. You know, I get it. I get it. Uh, I mean, I guess if anything, you know, you you might say we were guilty of that, but I, I you know, I, I don't think so. I think. Uh, you know, I do think Francis is still a fantastic challenger, and I think he was a great story. And it's fun to document the rise of people. Like that. He he was one of our guys. We found him early, and we liked him. You know, um, but that doesn't mean you write people off. You know, I I picked Francis coming into this fight, but even going back and and you know, you had to know this was fifty fifty at best, right? I mean, Stipe is a is is fantastic, but I you know I guess I say all this because we I mean we're 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 just picking people right I mean we have our, our opinions on what we like but you know, I, th- I saw a lot of people saying well what about you know the company didn't get behind Stipe enough <sighs> that's interesting I don't think so you know I, I do not believe and I honestly mean this especially in talking with the high level executives that we do I do not believe that they make plans assuming or banking on one person winning I, I do not believe that uh, they know. In, in fact, Dana White himself has told me, he's like, that is the biggest mistake you can make. He's like, as soon as you bank on one person winning, you can almost assuredly know that they're going to lose. You know, that's how the plans work. That's how this game works. Was Francis getting a lot of hype? Yes, he was getting a lot of hype. Is Francis there at the Performance Institute so that they can use him to film anything like whenever they want? Yeah, yeah. Is Francis more willing to do media than Stipe? Yeah, he is. I don't think Stipe enjoys doing media very much. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, Stipe's not getting enough push. It's hard sometimes, too, you know, when he doesn't necessarily, you know, really feel like he wants to do interviews. It's it's hard to get behind him. But the dude does have a great story, and there's no question about it. You know, the fireman, come on, that's that's the All-American. So, But I don't know that you're going to see – okay, two things. Number one, I think that marketing a challenger – is kind of helpful in marketing a champion, right? I mean, if you build Francis Ngannou up into this big, you know, unbeatable foe, you know, this this challenge on the horizon, this freak of nature that the world has never seen before, if you build him up, build him up, build him up, and then your champion wins, doesn't your champion steal that? Doesn't your, doesn't your champion get love for going, my God. He just beat the the storming Avenger from the wastelands, you know. So I mean, I do think there's something to be said in building a challenger, in building a challenger as the champion's, you know, biggest test to date. I don't think that's disrespectful. I think that that allows the champion to steal that shine, and and for you to have, you know, if if all you're talking about is a dominant champion laying waste, a dominant champion laying waste, you know a la Ronda Rousey maybe, I, I don't know, then you're not doing yourself any favors by helping her wins to look as special as it is. You know, now, now, and it's wrong to compare the women's bantamweight division in its infancy to the heavyweight division, but I guess I'm, I'm doing that just for the sake of coloring a picture, so to speak. But I do think there's something to be said for marketing challengers. I do think that Francis was easy to market. And, uh, again, I mean, 
Stipe, I mean, even in the post-fight press conference, right, he looked a little bit stand. I mean, he seemed standoffish with the media. And I'm not saying I'm not saying any of this from a personal perspective. I love Stipe. I, I enjoy talking to Stipe. His yes, he's you know his his, his uh, answers are, are pretty short. They're pretty direct. But you got to know that going in. If you know that going in, then you got to tailor your questions to that way. You got to be ready. You got to make sure you don't give him a yes or no question. If you give him a yes or no question, you're going to get a, a yes or no answer. Um, you know, if you give him a cliched question, you're probably going to get, you know, a pretty cliched answer, whereas some guys know that you're just kind of setting them up to, to get a quote out there. It, it's challenging, but you can know that going in. So, I don't know. I just, I, I, I thought there was so much made about the marketing of this and how it was presented and all that that I found it kind of interesting. I, I think I think people maybe don't realize, you know, it's tough sometimes to market a guy that, um, I don't want to say doesn't want to be marketed, but isn't necessarily always taking part in it as much as you might like him to uh you know you look at ronda rousey god bless her she did everything she did everything and she got rich she got rich from it conor mcgregor did everything he's not doing everything anymore but he did everything and you know he got rich and i think stipe is is still getting you know paid decent i I don't know that he's gonna get rich uh and and it's not his personality, but unfortunately, that's the reality of the world we live in. All right, so that's the marketing side of it. But I want to talk about the fight side of it. Is he the greatest heavyweight of all time? <sighs> I'm stuck right now on this. I feel like he's definitely, no question, one of, right? There's no question he's one of the best ever. Is he the best ever? I feel like the. I wonder if you can say this run that he's on certainly historic, right? He's now, he's now won, uh, defended the title three times. So there you go, that's history in itself. So you can make the argument right there. That's enough. He defended the title three times, right? That's like the the Jordan versus Kobe argument, right? Six rings or whatever. Okay, three title defenses. You can you can make the defense right there. And the run that he's on, some pretty solid names in there. You know, he he laced them out in the in the post-fight press conference. You know, Mark Hunt, Andre Olaski, Verdum, Overeem, Dos Santos, now Ngannou. Big, big names. Tough, tough tests. Is he the greatest ever? I feel like, you know, the de- the, the the default argument is always Fedor Milanica, right? Fedor is the greatest ever. If Fedor had longevity. A lot of longevity. And I think that's what goes to his side. I think that's what helps. Is that he had such longevity in that incredible win streak that he had. That you start saying like that that's something special. Now, but, it, but that was a different era, man. You look back through that record. As many great wins as he had. You know, as many Nogueras that are on there. You know, as many... Uh, Fujita and Coleman and Randleman and you know Crow Cop, as many of those that are on there. There's a couple of names on there too. You know he he got some cupcakes here and there, right? He got some setup fights every now and then. Stipe is never going to get that in the UFC heavyweight division. You're never getting, you know, a setup fight, a gimme fight. So you know if you filter out those, then maybe you can't really look at the longevity as well. I'd like to see. The Kane fight. Sounds like Kane's getting healthy. I know Verdun wants the rematch. But to me, well, and I guess I should say this. I mean, Dana told us not that long ago it's been too long for Kane. Kane needs to come in and get a win. And, and you know what? Maybe maybe Verdun does get the next fight. Maybe Kane gets a quote-unquote warm-up fight first. You know, maybe he might like to get in and, 
um, get himself healthy again, prove he's a number one contender. But I guess maybe before I pull the trigger on saying greatest ever, I'd like to see him beat Kane. I'd like greatest right now, absolutely. One of the greatest runs of all time, absolutely. One of the most impressive streaks. You know what I mean? Is that wrong to say I'd like to see get that Kane name on there just to convince me? I think it's. I think you can make the argument right now. I think you definitely can. That he's the greatest ever. I feel like, and maybe it's easier too in retrospect. Like maybe, let's say Stipe were to call it a career, or let's say he were to lose or, or something like that, and then you, you you go back in retrospect, and it's easier to look at it. You know, so I, I just I always hesitate when I'm in the moment. That was the greatest card of all time. That was the greatest knockout of all time. That was the greatest submission of all time. Like it's hard to say something that's the greatest of all time when you're in the moment. Because I don't feel like you're getting that proper perspective on it. I don't feel like you're getting that proper, you know, view from afar. So maybe that's why I'm not sold on it yet. But I wouldn't argue with you. If you want to sit here in front of me and say, yes, he is, John, and here's why, I go, oh, you know what? You make a very convincing argument. Because it's, <sighs> he's a beast, man. I don't know that he's ever going to be the big superstar. I don't, I don't know. As amazing as the story is, the firefighter, the family man, the uh it's just I don't know. That X factor we always talk about, right? That X factor, it's something you can't define, but when you see it, you know it. Ronda Rousey had it. Brock Lesnar has it. Conor McGregor has it. There's something about that next level. I don't know that he has it. God damn, he's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. And uh I don't know. I I don't know what I want to see. Verdun maybe the next fight. Maybe that does make sense right now. I do want to see the Kane fight, uh, but maybe he's got to get a fight first. All right, well, we'll figure that out later. Right now, here from the champ. We got the first question. Right over here, Steve. Congratulations on the win. Fantastic performance. Not many people have been able to take a Francis Ngannou punch and really talk about the tale later on that night. So what was it like? Did it live up to the hype that everybody was giving it? Oh, it definitely is hard. I mean, there's no question. It's a heavy division. Do you want to get, by, do you want to get hit by him? No, that's why I went. Exactly, it sucked. I mean, look at my eye. One punch, you know. But uh, that was my own fault. I put myself in the lane. But you know, listen, I hit him a lot more than he hit me, and twice I have the belt. It was kind of a weird situation. You're the champion. You defended the title twice. Yet you were the underdog. It was the Francis Ngannou show. It seemed like in a lot of people's eyes, you know, now that you won the title or, or retained the title, had the performance you had tonight, dominated Francis Ngannou tonight. You're about to become a dad. I mean, what is that all like? I mean, it's got to feel incredible right now, right? It was a steep base show tonight. It wasn't about him, it was about me. Because I'm the champ. I broke the record. I'm the best. You seem a little fired up. Um, one thing that a lot of people noticed was that you took the title from Dana and you handed it to the coach and mm -hmm. had him wrap it around your waist. Can you explain the thought process there? My dude. That dude respects me, I respect him. End of story. Hey, champ, congratulations on the performance. Uh, you've spoken several times in the past and recently in Media Day about enjoying the simplicity of your life and going back to, to your home and to your lawn. And as the gentleman said, you're going to be a dad soon. You can you just talk about, uh, obviously, it's an exciting moment in your, in your life, but the fact that you're going to become a dad and going back just to your life after this. Oh, yeah. I hope it snowed a lot. Let me use that snowplow. So pumped. I keep, I just, ah, man, so I've been thinking about it all week. I was really pissed last time I did it because my finger got jammed in the chute. It kept shooting everywhere. But, uh, you know, other than that, and I got a bunch of my buddies coming over the next couple of weeks, start moving stuff around and get the baby room set up. And, you know, and then going to have cameras everywhere because I'm a psycho. 
So no one touches my daughter and comes in, tries to rob my house, you know. Even though I'm the best man on the planet, you know, I just, I'm a weirdo. So. Great job, Tony. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Stipe. Right here. Okay. We'll talk sometime about what happens when you run over the, the Sunday newspaper with the snowblower, because that's not fun. Oh. You'll, you'll do it eventually. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I don't get the paper. Oh. I go online. Geez. I'm joking. I'm sorry, joking. Sorry, playing dealer. I'm people. joking. I'm, I'm a dick. I'm sorry. I'm joking. Sorry. Hey, uh, was the game plan, did you feel like the game plan going into this was that, you know what, I'm going to push him against the fence and I'm going to take him down as often as I need to? Was that? Yeah, 100%. You know, never, he's never been there. Why not? Right? I mean, I, I, felt like I struck him. You know what I mean? He caught me in the first round a couple of times, but after that, you know, I could see I took the will out of him and that's what I do. You know, I will take the will out of you. I feel like a lot of people thought, you know what, uh, the way this we've seen this guy hit, he, he could hit anything and, and put put the lights out. But we know you could put people's lights out, too. But did you feel like, as long as you got past the first round, that this thing for sure was yours for the taking? Listen, man, I got the target? fighting spirit, bro. It's going to take a lot more to take me out. Ford Escort, Ford F-150, I don't really care. I'm going to keep coming. All right? I mean, he's a tough dude. There's no question. He's got a great, great career out of him. He's a tough dude. But uh, listen, man, I got that fighting spirit. I ain't going to stop. I'm the daily grind. I know you want to enjoy this, obviously, and probably take a little bit of time off, but do you have anybody that's on your radar for, for what comes next? Yeah, you know, when my daughter's born and she's like 18, starts dating. I mean, every dude I should start talking to, I'm going to smash them. You ever watch Bad Boys? <laughs> Bring all my boys over, be a good time. And I will ask you this, and, and as I asked DC earlier, I'm not trying to stir anything up. Dana did say on the post-fight show, you and DC is a fight that he would love to see. Uh, that may be the fan in him talking, but but is that something you would ever entertain? Oh, listen, yeah, man. I'm like right now, dude, I don't care. Like I just got done with a fight like 45 minutes ago or an hour ago, whatever it was. 25 hard minutes with a tough dude. I don't really care what's going on right now. I just want to go home, see my dogs, hang out my wife. She's she's put up with enough with me, you know. She's an amazing woman. I'm very lucky to have her, and uh, I just want to go home, hang out with her, and just just relax. And I'm not worried about that. Let me, let me heal up. It sucks getting old, man. Thanks. Hey, Steepy. How you doing? Oh, Mark. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. Um, you had my dude. <laughs> you had downplayed um, for months and this week about the record. and But now that you've done it, you've accomplished it, can you kind of reveal to us did it, how much did it mean to you? Or, or were, you, were you sincere in... That they really, the record doesn't really mean, mean that much to you. Well, now it means something to me. You know, I beat the guy you know, that everyone thought I couldn't beat. So it made it much, that much sweeter. This guy's a phenom. He's one in a million, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? He lost. He lost to a Midwest boy that's 40 pounds lighter than him. And I'm the greatest heavyweight. I defended it three times. No one's ever done that. Right. Did that kind of feel like uh, going back to your high school days at East Lake North and Cleveland State today when you were a standout wrestler? I mean, it almost felt like a wrestling match for you out there today. Yeah, I mean, his leg was there. I'm going to take him down. Hell yeah. He's a big dude. You want to get by him? <laughs> I don't. I mean, look what happened to my eye. He got me with a good shot. That sucked. But, uh, you know, man, I'm going to go out there and just do what I do. And I got, saw his leg, take him down, and, you know, he didn't like it, and he couldn't get up. It was hard for him to get up, and I just wore, wore him down, kept working, and that was the game plan. If I got him down, do it, you know? Did you, put feel in deep you, water. did you feel you were going to have a – you had a – it looked like you had a really enormous advantage when you were going for the single leg. Did you feel, like, in preparation that this was going to be a huge advantage for you? Uh, no, because you know, I, there were so many, like, unanswered questions about him. You know, he's a big, strong dude, man. You see what he does? I mean, he uh, he still felt strong in the fourth round. You know, he's gassed out. He's still a tight, strong boy, you know, and – just got to go out there and keep working. And, uh, you know, I, you never know what to expect, man. It's mixed martial arts, man. It's real as it gets. You never know. 
You know, you could be winning the whole fight and last minute, dude, catch you with a flying hook, you're tired, boom, you're out. You just yeah. don't know. He said that uh, he, he felt he made a big mistake. He, <laughs> he said he came at you too hard, too early, and by the third round, he was gassed. Did you sense that? I felt you know, that in the first round. That you felt he was coming after you really hard? Uh, I feel like he couldn't put me right in that first round. I, I, I can see it. His will is dwindling away. You know, it was a tough dude. There's no question. He's doing really good, but I felt his will dwindling away. You know, I, I could see in his face. He didn't he couldn't move. I was still there. He moved with everything that he had. You know, and definitely it hurt. There's no question. You know, and it's a big dude. I and mean, what do you want me to do? I was, you know, it's like almost like that Rocky versus uh, Drago, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he just getting beat up in the first round, you know, a couple of rounds. But listen, man, he's tough. And, uh, you know, and it wouldn't matter what he did. If he even stayed back, too, I still would have pushed the pace on him. And still, I still would have gotten tired. And by the way, congratulations. I didn't, I didn't know you were having a. Uh, a baby girl, congrats, yes. right? Oh, Did you well, guys come up with the name yet or no? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to go with maybe Dylan, <laughs> Marie, or Isabella. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, Stipe. Over here. Oh. Congrats. What's up? Uh, third straight title defense, fourth title fight. But does this one feel a little sweeter considering everything that went into it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think? I think it does. I think so too, man. It was what the hell. I mean, it was shit on me, dude. I was uh, like, oh my god, you're getting knocked down the first round. Oh my god, he's unbelievable. Well, guess what? That's still mine. That ain't going nowhere. Just want to go back to your uh, previous answer about taking the belt and giving it to your coach. You said that guy respects me. So I'll ask you flat out: Do you feel like Dana White doesn't respect you? I don't know. I don't really care. Where's my coach at? Those dudes right there. My family, they all respect me, I respect them. They come with me, we go to war. No matter what happens, win, lose, or draw, that's my family. We all respect each other, no matter what the situation is. At some point, whenever you're ready to come back, do you want to try to repair what kind of, like, you know, start to get promoted the way you think you should be promoted? No, man, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. If it ain't fixed, don't broke it. Don't, whatever, I can't, I'm tired right now, sorry. Okay. It's like 3 in the morning, I just want to go home. Um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? I, I don't really care. I, honestly, I got so much on the plate right now. I'm so happy. You know, my beautiful wife has, 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 her, has her child. I'm very lucky. You know, I got my coaches here. They're amazing. I, listen, man, I'm not worried about repairing anything. I don't know. Like, apparently, I called him out when he told me. He said he was talking about we were butting heads. I called him out on that. That's pretty funny. He's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. How'd that go? No, he denied it. Last thing, um, you said a couple times, you even tweeted. By the way, is that you tweeting? Because it was like right after the fight. No, no you have another guy tweeting. tweeting. No, it's my gym. Oh, it is. All right. Yeah, come on, dude. It's, it's very well done. Yeah, um, he's very smart. <laughs> so there's the quote, I'm the greatest of all time. Yeah. You've said it a couple times. You didn't want to say it before. No, yeah. Is it because you just wanted to wait till the fight was over? Like, you truly believe that you're the greatest of all time? Fuck yeah, I do. No one's ever defended it three times. I've done it. In, I've, I've, I had the role, like, killer's role of fighters to get to it. I had a hard path to get to the title. And I had a hard path to defend the title. I had top dudes, you know? I had to fight Arlowski. I had to fight Verdum in Brazil on 45,000 people. I mean, crazy. Next guy, Overeem, killer, K1 champ. Hits like a ton of bricks. Next guy, JDS, who I lost to. Now I got, I got a guy that's a phenom. Next, I mean, I mean, nothing's ever easy. I know it's funny ain't easy, but I never had an easy road. Everything was hard. That's why I love being from Cleveland, because nothing I was ever given, it's earned. Congrats. Congrats on the win. Right here. Thank you. 
curious, you talked about your coach and that game plan. Francis even talked about how your game plan, game plan was just better than his. Can you kind of talk about what went into that? I mean, I know you have so much respect for your coaching staff, but it did seem like not only your heart and your intelligence in the ring, in the cage, but in terms of that game plan that you guys were just a little better prepared. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just me doing all the game planning. They just sit there and do what I want. I'm joking. <laughs> no, yeah, they, I mean, the minute the fights gets, you know, announced, they're right on it. They, they're calling me, all right, that's what we're going to do. And so for weeks, we, we, we go over. I don't even watch film yet. I just, for by six, seven weeks, I'll just train, go over, go over, go over. They only go on, work on his weaknesses, work on his strengths. And then about two weeks out, we'll start watching film and I see what I'm doing right, which actually it helps me a lot, actually. I can see what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. It fair to say that you thought you had the better game plan as well? Oh, 100%. I mean, one, I hope so. I mean, I'm a heavyweight <laughs> champ. And my last question, thank you again. Would you ever consider something later in 2018 with uh, just such a big name, though he probably doesn't deserve a title match, with Brock Lesnar? So many eyeballs would be on that fight. Yeah, man. Like, again, oh, man, you guys don't ever stop with these. Can I just go home and relax a little bit? Like, God damn. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I'll fight anyone, dude. I just want to go home and take it, like, just relax. Just watch some football. Enjoy. Drink a beer. Drink a Modelo. Call it a day. That's it. Come on. I'm just sorry. I'll get yeah. right there. Last question. Okay. Uh, two questions. Stipe. Um, one question. You said one. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking. You guys made your one. Um, first of all, the cr you know, outside of Cleveland, we saw the, what an amazing reaction you had from the, the fans in Cleveland. But tonight, it was a very pro Stipe Miocic crowd in there. Could you hear them throughout the fight? Oh, yeah. Boston's awesome, man. It's a funny city, dude. Love Boston. I finally got to hang out here and enjoy it. And it's a great city. I got to, you know, <clears throat> train at Welch's gym with that, that amazing man right there. I mean, that boxing gym is phenomenal. His boy won tonight too, which is amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just, yeah, just a good dude. And, and just meeting the people and the food. Oh, the food. Oh, thank God I'm a heavyweight. Thank God I'm a heavyweight. Because I ate so much good food. But, uh, but yeah, I love this city. It was a great city. Amazing. And my final question, just going back to what I asked you earlier on in the week. Would you like your next fight to be back in Cleveland? I don't know. We'll figure it out, man. You know, right now, like I said, just want to go home, enjoy myself. I, know I don't really give well, I'm like an onion. You got to pay me back later at a time, bro. Uh, but I'm just going to go home, relax, and just enjoy myself, enjoy my wife. You know, she's put up with me for a lot, a lot of a couple weeks. You know, I'm like a raging hormonal teenager during fight camp, so it's her time to shine. Congratulations again. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Right in the co-main event, Daniel Cormier retains his light heavyweight title with a win over Vulcan Ozdemir, or as he says, basically claimed the vacant title. I love that attitude. Daniel Cormier, man, uh, fantastic performance here. Vulcan Ozdemir, look, I think Vulcan's, a, 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 a man, his run that he had to get to the title was incredible, and I think that you know there are still things for him to happen on the horizon. He's still a young guy at 28 years old. Um, heavyweights can fight for uh, excuse me, light heavyweights uh, can, can, can fight for uh, quite some time. You know, if you look at Daniel Cormier, you know, those higher divisions, the light heavyweights, the heavyweights division, the heavier weight divisions is what I was trying to say, um, can, I think have can have lengthier careers. Um, and I think Volkan Ozdemir um, can have a lengthier career as well. And I think there's still plenty of big fights from on the horizon. But, you know, I think as, I think Daniel Cormier said it right. There's levels. And just, you know, Volkan's not on Daniel Cormier's level right now. And I think... Um, you know, DC was able to show that. He, so tough, man, because Daniel Cormier is one of the all-time greats of the sport. One of the all-time greats of the sport. But you have the, the one slash two losses 
to John Jones and you know everybody's going to write him off because John Jones is perhaps the greatest of all time. I mean, I think definitely would be considered the greatest of all time if he if it hadn't been for all the issues that he's had, you know, outside of the cage. And it's a shame that the that, that Daniel Cormier doesn't get the the respect that he deserves as a fighter. You know, you think about what he's done in two weight classes, just an amazing career, and then you know a fantastic ambassador to the sport as well, and and just always been so open and honest, and you know shed some shed some emotional moments at the at the post fight press conference. You know, media saying they're they're tearing up, and you know you're talking about those those private moments behind the scenes with your kids and your family and how you want to represent yourself and, and how you want them to, to remember you. and um, Man, you know, just a, a fantastic performance by Daniel Cormier, a fantastic career by Daniel Cormier. We know at this point um, it's it's his last year of, of competition. And, um, you know, I don't know what he does from here. Talks of the heavyweight fight with Stipe Miocic, which would be pretty cool. I mean, it's not like Cormier's. I mean, he struggles to get down to 205, but it's not like Stipe's a huge. You know, he's not one of those, you know, 275 guys cutting down. So I don't think that would be a bad idea. I like what Daniel Cormier, you know, has is saying about that that he defers to Cain Velasquez. But let's not forget, you know, back at that tough finale in December, um, you know, when I brought up Cain's name, you know. Dana looked at me like, what are you talking about, Kane? Like, come on, man, it's been too long. He's no, no, no. So it wouldn't be that. So, you know, maybe a situation where Daniel Cormier fights for the heavyweight title in his last fight, and if he does win, he retires as champion, and then Kane Velasquez steps in and fights for a vacant belt. I mean, that's not uh, – I know Daniel – Kane is his boy, and, and maybe you would say, well, that's disrespectful because Kane doesn't get to take the belt from anybody. Kane, you know, wins a vacant belt, but Kane is a former champion, so for him to regain a vacant title, I don't know that it would take away. You know, I, I don't know that it, it would be a negative thing. So um, I hope Daniel Cormier will at least consider that option. I think the fight, you know, and hell for Stipe, maybe that's what Stipe needs. You know, so maybe Stipe needs something like that to get a more known commodity to get a more proven commodity maybe that's what he needs to get over a little bit more and to be a little bit more marketable i just don't know what other fights out there right now for, for daniel cormier i mean you know jimmy manuel was close at one point you know if, if jimmy manuel wins a couple fights could he sneak in by the end of the year yeah maybe but i don't know if that does anything does it i mean i just don't know if there's no disrespect to light heavyweight division, but you know you've had that that top tier people for a while, and it's kind of resetting itself right now. And I just don't see any fights for Cormier at 205 where I'm like, that's the fight I gotta see. I mean, even this wasn't a fight that you were like, I gotta see that fight. But Volkan had made an incredible run to the top, and Volkan was a dangerous challenger. And um, you know, I I just I don't know that there's more fights that I gotta see right now at light heavyweight. So to be honest with you, I would I would really I, the more I think about it, I like the idea of him going up and challenging Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight title. And if he's only got one fight, if he's only got two fights left, if you win and walk away, I think that's okay. And I mean, you know, join that join that that small list of two division UFC champions. Maybe that's maybe that's what gets you up on John Jones. Maybe that's what gets you up on the on the one up over John Jones is that you've got the heavyweight title as well. Maybe that's what gets you over that hump. And then you add in the asterisks of the, the failed drug test, which, again, I don't think John Jones knowingly cheated. I really don't. I'm being completely honest with you. I believe he's careless with what he puts in his body. And I don't believe that means he should go off scot-free. 
I'm just saying I don't think he's a cheater. But maybe, you know, with that little, that'll be the argument that you need. That'll be that veil, you know. Maybe that would do it. I, it something for his legacy. Something to, to get him that one up over John Jones. Maybe this would be it. I think you should at least consider it. I really think you should at least consider it. And I think that would be something pretty pretty special. Um, yeah. Might as well just hear from Daniel Cormier, right? I mean, this was a special, special moment. And, uh, I mean, these were the, uh, these were certainly the, the moments that will be remembered. Of course, I was there. I was, had to watch it afterwards, but, uh, we had a lot of people there. Cole Coffee was there. Uh, Abby Saban was there. Shamakar Sandus, uh, was there. Coming for other outlets. Of course, Matt Erickson was there as well for MMA Junkies. So it was cool to see the, the junkie crew having things covered, even if they were doing so for other outlets. Always proud of those guys. Uh, for 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 getting more work for themselves and getting more involved in this, but let's uh let's hear from Daniel Cormier. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Good. First question. Congratulations, DC. I told you the Garden was a special place. Do you, do you, did you feel that tonight? <laughs> it felt good, you know. A lot of cheers, a lot of people uh, supporting me. It was very nice. Yeah. It uh. You walk into the garden and, and you feel the championship history of the building, and, and I, I enjoyed performing here. I loved it. You had talked about how important this fight was for you to feel like you were the champion. You went out and had a dominant performance. You know, how does it feel coming out afterwards? Do you feel a lot better than you did coming in? Of course I do. You know, I, I had lost last time, you know, so now I can actually say I won a fight. You know, I won my last fight, which obviously feels better. And then to experience that again, you know, uh, Dana putting the belt on you and, you know, going out there and just having a performance that you dream of. You, you dream of doing everything you did in training camp and it works to a T. And today it did. You know, I, I felt like I may have had that submission at the end of the first round, but ran out of time and was able to get him back down and get right to the crucifix position and just start to punch and not get ex too excited to where he got out, but also just hold him there and, and really just beat on him until the referee had no choice but to stop the fight. And last thing from me, you had talked about, you know, it's going to be Volkan's time, just not right now. And mm -hmm. he came in here and talked about how much he learned from being in the, in the octagon with you. But then he said, I will be a champion. Do you believe him when he says that? You know, we talked in the back and I told him, I said, you know, man, great job. You know, you fought hard. You, you, he threw everything with so much power and with so much intent to finish the fight. And I could feel his confidence. You know, I could feel his confidence. And if, if he's able to fight in that way but shore up the holes that he has, yeah, of course he can become a champion. Um, he's one of the younger guys in the division. I'm 38 years old, and I've said time and time again that by 40 I'll be done. So, you know, even if I was here for another year, I'm sure Vulcan, it didn't take him much long. It didn't take him long to get here in the first place. So I'm sure he can build himself back up to get to a title fight. Hey, Daniel, uh, were you surprised at all by the support out here from the from fans out here at the Garden uh, when you came out? And especially after that first takedown, did any of that surprise you? It, 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 didn't, it didn't surprise me because I've seen like a little bit of a shift since the last fight in terms of the level of acceptance that I've gotten from the fans. Because although you'll have a whole bunch, some people sprinkled in there that still say stuff, you know, negative and kind of look past the fact that, um, I may not have gotten a, sh a fair shake on a number of occasions, but the vast majority of people are just kind of like, man, this dude has some rough luck, you know, just as he seems to have gotten past 
uh, this black cloud in his career, you know, that happened. So I think at, at his core, people are still good, you know, and they kind of, I think they may sympathize with me a little bit. And I, I think that's why you got the cheers and, and, and the crowd kind of being as loud as they were. And I really did enjoy it and appreciate it. Hey, champ. Hey, congratulations. Very impressive performance. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, so you had a pretty awesome uh, couple of words to say about fatherhood at Media Day. And I noticed after the fight, you had posted a really nice picture on Instagram with you and your family. Um, obviously, better to get your belt, get a win. But win or lose, can you just talk about how special it is to share these types of moments with your family? <laughs> well, you say win or lose, but, like, this was the first time that my children have ever been to a fight. You know, my son and daughter have never watched me compete. My... My boy says he went when he was a baby because we didn't, you know, back in Strike Force, uh, we couldn't afford a nanny. <laughs> so we couldn't have anybody watch the kids. So we brought him. And uh, ever since, we've really kind of left him home because of what happened last fight. You know, for my son, who's six years old, to see that would devastate him. But I'm 38 years old, and I'm, you know, it's time for them to start understanding what dad does. And I brought him, and they loved it. And they loved every moment of it. And I was able to walk right out of the octagon and grab them and see my wife, Selena. And we get to go to the back and see my mom and my dad. And nothing's more precious to me than family. I mean, I love everything else. You know, I love, you know, championship belts and, 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 and everything else. But nothing's more important than family. Because without, without them, I can't do any of this stuff. I had a, t a team dinner last night and there were 47 people from Louisiana and, and, and all around the country to come and watch me fight every single time. 47 people. In Anaheim, we had 75 people at my Friday night dinner. People from Louisiana and all around the country. So I appreciate these people because they uplift me. And they've been doing it since I was 15 years old. When I first started wrestling at the highest level, they've been uplifting me and allowing me to be who I am today. Thank you, champ. DC, congrats, my man. Thank you. Uh, what next for you? I mean, is there a name out there? I know you obviously want to enjoy this for now, take some time perhaps, but but who do you have your eyes on as a guy that, that will challenge you next? I don't know. I mean, I really don't know, you know, and, and, and you know I'm not above calling somebody out. I've done that time and time again over the course of my career, but it's just like right now it's like I I've been through a lot, right? And after getting beat in that last fight and finish for the first time, I've learned to just kind of take it all as it is, like one at a time, let myself just enjoy the work. Because every time I fought, every time I won, it was always get back home and just go like, what's, let me get to the next guy. Let me get to the next guy. Right now, I just kind of want to go home and I'm, I'm on, I got a seven o'clock flight tomorrow morning to get back to California. Because I get home and I go to the back of my cul-de-sac and I can mow my grass, or I can walk my dog, and nobody's like, they, they don't care. It's like, hey, DC, good job. Daniel, Daniel, not even DC, hey, Daniel, good job last night. And all my neighbors go about their business. And I like that. You know, I like, I like kind of just being normal a little bit. I love to fight. I love the adrenaline. I love the crowd. I love the everything. But I, I'm going to enjoy this next month where I have nothing on the schedule to spend with my family. One of the reasons I ask is I'm not a guy who likes to stir the – the dookie, so to speak. <laughs> but your boss, Dana, apparently said on FS1 on the post-fight show that a fight that he would like to see is you against Stipe Miocic. Yeah. Is, is that anywhere within the realm of possibility for you? Because I know we asked you earlier this week 
about <laughs> would you ever go back up to heavyweight? People, people have talked about that for a really long time, you know, and, and I mean, I did fight 13 fights at heavyweight, you know, so, and I hate cutting weight, as you guys all know. I mean, I'm the only guy that gets a rousing ovation every time he steps on the scale and makes weight. Like, guys, he's supposed to make weight. What are you cheering for? But um, I haven't really thought about it, you know, especially it's hard for me now because Kane's in the gym more. Kane's in the gym now getting back prepared to do what he does best. So I draw so much from him, right? Kane had a baby about a month ago, and he's here with me right now. I didn't even know. I didn't bother to ask him if he was coming to the fight because I didn't know if it was possible because of the new baby. But uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, Kane comes in my room with his bags, and he's there for my weight cut. Dude's never saw it in his life. He was shriveling up like a grape. He looked like one of the California raisins by the time we were done with that sauna. But he's there. And uh, I draw inspiration from him. And um, if he's getting prepared to get that belt back, then that is that I have nothing for that division. Gotcha. I It'll it. never Thank change. You. DC, how you doing? Hey, congrats. Um, you were talking about uh, Stipe and that kind of talk. And you, know, you, you and Stipe both won... You know the fans come here and they they want to see the knockout. And you yeah. got you guys won your fights on the ground with your wrestling experience. And you know what do you when you can do that to your opponent? Do you think that just sucks the energy out of your opponent? It does. It's discouraging, right? It's very discouraging to have a guy able to hold you down and do whatever you know we we did to those guys. You know what? At the end of the second and third round, Stipe was literally just holding Francis's head down. People don't understand how exhausting it is to try to build your body back up when a 245-pound man is just pressing your head down. Uh, the ability to impose yourself on someone is the greatest aspect of wrestling that a lot of people don't understand that's never done it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could have stood there with Vulcan and fought him. I heard him a couple times in the stand-up. But the path to victory should always be chased in the easiest way. And um, the easiest way for me, especially after the first round, because when I took him down at the end of the first round and was able to get that choke so easy, I was like, oh, man, there's, this is a huge, huge difference in terms of our grappling skill. So I said, let's put him back there. One more thing about Stipe, you know, just being the first heavyweight to win three straight title defenses. And, you know, just your thoughts about that. It's very impressive. You know, I said this in the buildup. I go uh, – Francis is a great guy and a great, fantastic fighter. But what's getting lost in this whole deal was that you're talking about a guy in Stipe Miocic that's going to break a record and become the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. And um, it's very impressive because you got guys like uh, Randy Couture and, and, and Kane Velasquez and Fabricio Verdum and Junior Dos Santos that couldn't get three done. You know, that's crazy that these guys have never done three because that division is so dangerous. So for Stipe to do it tonight against the most dangerous opponent that he's had, very impressive. Hats off to him. He's a great guy, great champion. I had a great time with, with him in Cleveland, learned a lot about him, and nobody deserves it more than Stipe Miocic. Would you put him number one all time? You said that kind of impressive. Heavyweight? Yes. Tim and Kane. Everybody else is, uh, everybody else is kind of just like they're there, but... Cain Velasquez and, 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 and Stipe Miocic are the two heavy, best heavyweights of all time. And today, today this fight was built as the biggest heavyweight fight we've had in a long time. The biggest heavyweight fight that we'll ever have is when those two guys actually fight each other. So you would still...
put them one A, one B? Could you put him one, one or two with somebody? I'm never going to say he's better than King Velasquez. <laughs> what are you doing? But he's good. He's just as good. Okay. Those guys are even. Thank yeah, you. they're just as good. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's going to be a great fight. Hey, Daniel. Um, in the post-fight uh, interview with Joe Rogan, you put over Khabib. You put over Kane. Where was the love for your boy Luke? Uh, Luke, uh, Luke's not Luke's. Uh, I don't know. I was just, you know, the guys were, the guys were here. The guys were here. That's why I uh, talked about him. You know, I understand that Luke is in the middle of training camp right now, so he can't be here. But I saw Khabib and hugged him right as I left to go to the octagon. I saw Kane and hugged him right at the tunnel before I went to the octagon. So their minds, their names popped in my mind. But good try. Luke's my boy. Damn so it ain't going to happen. Luke's my boy. Yeah, he texted me. He texted me right before the fight and said, I love you, brother. Go and do your thing because... There's no one like you. So there really is no dissension between us and Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold's one of us for the rest of his life. We love him. And, and as I've said time and time again, you guys don't know what Luke's going through personally in the Bay Area. Very courageous of him to make the move down to Florida because it's hard to leave your comfort zone. It's very hard to leave your comfort zone. And uh, he did that. And I, I believe that he's going to be better for it. And... We're going to be there to support him as much as we can. And for the record, I wasn't trying to set you up. Just want to know. Yeah, you sure. were. Just want to give uh, you a platform uh, to uh, give him a shout out. You know, maybe yeah. you've forgotten in the octagon. Um, and just one more question for you. Um, obviously, John Jones is going to have this hearing next month. Um, have you got a message for him? No, I'm, 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 I'm just kind of, I want to see what happens. You know, I think not only am I, I'm just past it right now until he's able to do what we want to do, and that's fight, kind of past it. You know, so I'm kind of in this, a bit of this, uh, this spot when, when it comes to Jones. Competitively, competitively, all I want to do is fight him again. But at some point, it's just like, man, is it ever going to be just a fight without nothing else? And I don't know if I could put myself through that again, you know? I mean, I've done everything right, and I've just been dragged down by this guy constantly, so... I'm not thinking about it. I'm going to do my thing for right now. Hey, DC. Congrats on the win, man. Thank you. Uh, where do you find the confidence to stand with these? And no disrespect, but um, you're a little shorter than these guys that you're striking with. Where do you find the confidence to stand with the Vulcan and with the Jones? I mean, it's part of fighting, right? Every fight starts on the feet. I mean, I would love to start in the down position. That would be great for me. Can we start in the gra I'd love to start grappling, but... That's not how it works. And, and you know what the truth is, man, honestly? I feel like I have the greatest coaches in the world. Uh, Javier Mendez, Rosendo Sanchez, Rudy Cruz. Those guys in stand-up, I mean, nobody's like them. How's a world champion kickboxer? Rosendo was an Olympic alternate. Rudy's a professional boxer. I mean, and then I got these training partners and Tony Johnson and Tiago Beowulf and Frank Munoz. Like, we got these guys that are just high-level guys that train with me every day, and I take confidence from them. But my coaches, I got two coaches that drive five hours each day to train me three times a week. Rosendo drives two and a half hours each way to train me Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Rudy does it from Fresno on Monday and Tuesday. It's like these guys are making sacrifices. I can call, I can call Hob anytime. He's got bad elbows at times because we kick him so hard. He's, he has to hold pads for me, Khabib, Luke, and Kane back-to-back. -back. But if we call him, he shows up. 
he holds the pads and he tries to prepare. So I've got great coaches and a great team. We're the American Kickboxing Academy. You better learn to strike in there, even though I'll, I'd prefer to wrestle. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Daniel, how's your right hand? My hand is uh, messed up. I, uh, I, I broke my thumb in high school, and um, it's uh, knotted up right here behind the thumb again. So I'm going to have to go to a doctor on Monday to see what exactly is going on. Um, but I've, I've had enough uh, of type of hand injuries to know that something's just not right. And just uh, one more. In July, obviously, it was emotional. You weren't up here. You've been up here before with the belt. You've done the post-fight press conference. Do you appreciate this a little more um, after what happened a couple of months ago? You know, I do. I've always appreciated it. I've appreci I, I appreciate it every year. You know, like when I was 30 and 31 years old, maybe not so much. But as I start to get closer and closer to the end, I do appreciate it. And I appreciate it from trying to build back from a loss and trying to feel like I had some success in the job that I do. You know, I, I love to fight. I love to compete. And I was able to get a win tonight. You know, that was, that, that last time I was in the hospital, right? When the press conference was going on, I was at the hospital. So if not for anything else, to be able to look at my mom and not see tears in her eyes and look at my wife and not see a look of confusion or wake up on Sunday morning and hear my son who came to the fight for the first time, you know, the whole Jones thing, it sucked. I lost the fight and I got beat. I got my ass kicked, and I cried in the octagon. I cried before I went to bed. But you know what I cried the most is when I went Sunday morning. I'm laying on the couch next, and my kids are in bed with their mom, and my boy rolls over, and he taps his mom because every time he'd never go to the fights, he wanted to know if his dad won. And you know what I heard at 7.30 in the morning in Anaheim? He tapped his mom, and he goes, Mom, did dad win? And uh, she said, No, Pop, he didn't win this time. And uh, I was laying there. I could hear him. So I got my back to him, and I'm crying. And uh, not long after, I feel like my boy behind me hugging me, you know. That was the hurtful thing. So for him to get to experience the other side of it is big for me and my daughter and my family. It's all family to me. So I appreciate this, but I appreciate them being able to smile tonight instead of shedding tears. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. That's an all-time great there. No question about it. Hey, listen, I haven't said I should say, if you, hey, if you, if you like what you're listening, do me a favor. Log into iTunes. Take a second. Subscribe. Rate us. Review us. Leave us some feedback. I always love getting that feedback. Tell your friends about us. Make sure they know to download us too. All those things, everything you can do. Okay, listen. Uh, outside of that, you know, this was this was very much, you know, from from the from the outside looking in, you know, being knee deep in another card. Of course, uh, the two title fights were the ones that I was most excited about. Um, Calvin Qatar did pick up a big win over Shane Burgess. That was a big win for him. John Vellante, how the hell was that a split decision? Are you kidding me? I like I like John Vellante. Watching him sweat out that reading. Oh, that was tough, dude. He's such a good dude, and uh, I thought he pretty clearly won that fight. Watching him sweat that out was tough. Rob Font continues to come on strong against Thomas Almeida. Uh, so, big, big win there. Thomas Almeida, man, I still think that guy's super talented and super fun, but, oh, 
he's on a, 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 a run right now that's not great. Not great. Hopefully he can recover from that. Um, the ones that stood out to me, though, on the prelims, Abdul Razak Hassan. I am really high on this kid, man. I am super impressed with him. And another spectacular knockout that ended up being, what, number one on SportsCenter? Very, very cool. Uh, always nice to see MMA highlights getting featured in the mainstream media. But Abdul Razak Hassan, uh, keep your eye on that kid. That's somebody to watch. And Islam Makachev as well. Keep your eye on that guy as well, man. Just absolutely starching Gleason T-Bow. Rough welcome back for Gleason, man, after he'd been gone for a couple years. Uh, coming back and just getting starched by Islam Makachev. A lot of people high on Islam Makachev. Of course, those Russians, man, they're rough. <laughs> they are tough, man. He is a tough dude. He went out and grinded out Nick Lentz last time out. I mean, that's not easy to do. And then this big win uh, here over Gleason T-Bow. Uh, a lot of people believe in Islam Makachev, and I think he's somebody you definitely want to uh, to keep your eyes on. Um, so listen, uh, Cole Coffey, he's he's uh, you know he, he's not one to take a lot of, of mic time, but I figure let's let's just get a couple stories from him backstage. Let's just get his impressions. You know, we can't be together, but I don't want I don't want to do a whole you know a whole podcast without my man Cole Coffey in there. So let's get a couple thoughts from Boston on uh, his lasting memories of the week. All right. Well, thanks, John. Uh, I will jump in here then, and I will give you my thoughts on Boston. I had a great time in Boston. Um, the weather was was cold, but it wasn't too bad. It actually warmed up on Saturday and Sunday the day we left. It was like in the 50s or upper 40s, but it uh, felt really, really good. You know, I had a, a jacket on, um, one of those windbreaker jackets most of the time there with either like a sweatshirt or something underneath. And I was pretty good for the whole time. It was it was definitely no Winnipeg. I didn't need the the beanie, even though I would have wore it if I had it. If I remembered to have brought it, uh, I definitely would have worn it. Um, but I didn't need uh, gloves or anything like that. But uh, it was brisk up there, but it was beautiful. Um, a beautiful, beautiful city. I love being near water, and uh, even though a good portion of this water was ice covered, um, it was still neat to see the boats there. And uh, there were areas where you definitely saw plenty of uh, of running water. And uh, due to all that running water and all that uh, water around there, there was a really good seafood. So um, I think I've probably eaten more clam chowder in this past four or five days than I have in the past four or five years combined. Um, it definitely, wintertime I think is the perfect time for clam chowder. I don't know if there's any other time where I ever really crave it. But man, the, the stuff I had there at a few different places was incredible. Um, so definitely uh, clam chowder has moved its way back up near the top of my uh, ideas for things to partake in in uh, cold weather like they have up there in uh, Boston. But uh, again, beautiful town. Um, you know, um, when we're doing these fight weeks, never really get much chance to go out and do much sightseeing. There was a, maybe a, a couple hours on fight day where we could have went out, but uh, I did not get out uh, to go see um, some of the, the neat uh you know, historical sites there, you know, such as I believe it's the Old North Church, I think is the name where Paul Revere started his ride and where the, the two lanterns were, were were hung to signify that the British were coming. Um, so, uh, but I hope to go back someday to uh, check out that sort of, uh, sort of thing, actually spend some time there and, uh, you know, see some of the historical sites. The food was incredible there. The people were wonderful. Um, I had a really, really good time. Everybody interacted with was um, 
pretty amazing. But the food was definitely right up my alley. Lots of meat, man. They liked their steak tips and stuff there. That was really, really good. So it was a lot of meat and uh, some good wings up there and definitely some good beer. So it was uh, right up my alley. Um, did get out to the Reebok headquarters uh, on my own outside of the the wonderful gym trip that we took up there. Um, I tried to get some shoes. I figured, what the heck? We're here. I'll try to get some Reebok shoes. And, you know, my fat feet, for some reason, they're, they're running or they're like training shoes that they had are very, very narrow. So I'd, I'd try to go up a couple sizes. And the ones that got almost to the point where I liked how they felt on my feet left like an inch or so in the front part so it just didn't work out and i didn't want to just get some casual kicks you know because i was looking for something you know i'm here trying to you know trying to work out in the gym i'm trying to set up out in the garage so i figured what the heck i'd try to get some shoes to kind of help push that forward um but no i didn't i didn't find anything like it so i guess i'll stick with my my nikes and other brands that uh, make some shoes for the for more for the everyday person i guess or so I ended up uh, buying some uh, some gear for uh, Age and Age while I was there to uh, get her something. So maybe I'll get some uh, brownie points for uh, bringing that together. So, all right. Well, enough of Boston. I loved I loved all that stuff. So, Fight Night. Fight Night was uh, was fun. It was incredible. Uh, the TD Garden. It's a <coughs> excuse me, an exceptional venue. Um, really, really beautiful on the inside. The staff for the most part, was exceptional. Everybody that we dealt with was really, really nice. Um, checking into the place, uh, <laughs> security was a bit of an issue on the day of the, of, uh, the weigh-ins. You know, we get in there and they're like, okay, well, you're going to check in on this side over here. You know, so we go get our bag checked and then they're going to bring us back in the other area. And they end up checking our bags again. And then they wanted to look again. It was like they were checking our bags two or three times. It was such a cluster to get in there. So we assumed the same was going to be on fight night, but fight night, they had it a little better. Um, we got there, we, we were able to get a little pre-check through our bags. So when the time came to actually be able to go through uh, the security to get through, it was much more of a, a flowing process, but it's a tough job doing what those security people have to do. I mean, I get it. You know, I know it's easy for us to kind of bitch and moan and gripe because they make us wait and they make us do all these steps to, uh, to get in there. But uh, it is all done with the the, the idea of, of being safe and you know protecting people inside. So uh, I don't mind it. I get it. I understand what they have to do. So as much as we might gripe and moan about it, uh, it's it's understandable. I, I respect what the the job that they're uh, they're doing, even though sometimes it leaves our head shaking. That do they even know what they're really looking for when they're rifling through our bags? <laughs> you know, a lot of times we have all this high tech stuff in there. You never know what was in there if they really, you know really pulled it out and played but uh not to give any ideas to all you crazy people out there you know don't go uh portraying yourself as a media member because that's the time they're going to get their shit together and they're going to find your ass okay um so after getting through security um uh, they took us up to probably what was one of the nicest um pr rooms or rooms that media rooms that we have uh been able to experience at these uh events it was in the legends room now the legends room there at the td garden uh it's on the third level it is a private members only restaurant and bar open exclusively to bruins and celtics season ticket holders and game plan holders um had a full-on bar inside there um they different they have different food ours was catered so but they do have a menu uh typically if you were going to that event 
uh, going to a basketball or a Bruins event. Uh, there, you know, they had like lobster rolls, lobster rolls, and you know, things of uh, a wide range. It was a nice, nice establishment. And man, since it is like a, a sports and bar lounge, there were TVs everywhere. There was like a big screen in one direction, a big screen in the other direction, and lots of other TVs above the bar and on the posts that were kind of all through the middle of the room. So there were plenty of of, of TV screens uh, that you could watch the the fights on. So pretty much because a lot of times when the screens are in certain areas you kind of have to find your spot you know you get your spot where you can see uh, the action but also keep you close to where all your gear is set up so that when they bring in a fighter and you're not having to run halfway across the room to get set up you know to to roll you know so there were plenty of places to sit you know and with easy access to where they had our interviews and our interviews were set up on the stage where uh, the post-fight press conference was normally going to take. Um, we just, instead of the, the the table and the chair that they had for the post-fight pressure stuff that you'll see, we just removed the chair and just I, I set our little mic stand up there and then we just stood the, uh, the fighter up there so we can get the backdrop in the back. And it gives enough room on the floor for all the cameras to kind of wrap around and uh, get all that action. So... It was uh, it was good. And it was a lot of good fights, man. Um, John, I'm sure, has already went through a bunch of uh, some of the ones that went through um, already, you know, in the earlier segments and stuff. But uh, it was interesting because we're we're in the back watching the UFC fights on the screen. But half of uh, there was a couple guys that have broken out their laptops and were watching the Bellator fights at the same time. Uh, <laughs> so you'd see these little pockets of, of journalists at times huddled behind somebody's laptop on the on a on a, on a table uh <laughs> doing one of these things and uh, you know and everybody's kind of turned away because you know we didn't want any ufc staff to kind of come up and be like what are you watching why are you using our internet for that you know not that they i don't think they would really care you know but uh it has been done before where they, they give you the evil eye i mean nobody wants you there working their event eating their food using their bandwidth and uh, watching uh, another promotions event. But it does happen. So it was neat uh, uh, dealing with <laughs> being able to watch that. And uh, excuse me if I sound stuffy. If you didn't know this, I'm actually kind of a little bit allergic to uh, cats and dogs. And I have a cat and a dog. Well, my girlfriend has a cat and a dog. So every time I come back from uh, being on the road, I immediately get stuffy. So um, hopefully you're enjoying this morning coffee voice um, with a little side of allergies in it. Um, uh, it is interesting to do these in the morning after a full night of sleep. I feel more rested. Um, you know, man, maybe heck with these right after the show event stuff, you know, where we're barely hanging on a thread. Let's just do it the next day in the morning when I can have my cup of coffee. In fact, I had a little bacon and egg sandwich earlier that I made in the, uh, the cold coffee of kitchen. Yeah, that's good stuff. But all right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up here shortly and get back to the last little bits that I know you guys want to hear. Um, I will say, you know, uh, now that I've been part of these uh, staff picks, I have not been doing as well. I make some picks and I make some picks wrong. And one of the biggest picks that uh, I like to say that I did for a reason was I picked Francis Nagano instead of my Ohio brethren Stipe. You know, normally I'm. One and done, you know, they're from Ohio. Yeah, I'm picking them. You know, then I got grief and I felt bad that I wasn't picking, you know, solely on based on their merits and not just with my heart saying I want Ohio to win. 
So this one, I, I, I bought all the hype. I bought everything. You know, I've been watching Francis just destroy the pads and just destroy these people. And I just knew that if he could get his hands on Stipe, that that was it. But Stipe did everything right in controlling him. And just, you know, was it the most fun to watch at times? No, it certainly wasn't. But was it the exact thing to do to just tire out Francis and bring Francis back to where, you know, people had questions the whole time, you know, people always questioned his wrestling, always questioned on how his game was on the ground. And, uh, you know, when when you're sitting against the, the, the ring and you have a guy on you and you're not attempting anything for minutes on end, just clearly shows that he has no idea what to do in that, that instance. I mean, it's one thing to try to, you know, just kind of hold off for a little bit to wait for a moment to explode, you know, in this case, whether he was waiting for the arm to get off his head. But if you're not doing anything to try to remove that arm, why is Stipe going to move it? You know, and the ref let it sit there. I mean, he threw, I guess, enough punches at time to keep it going and waited right to that moment of inactivity to to, to do something so that he, they didn't uh, get stood up. But, uh, you know, kudos to, to Stipe. I will say that... Uh, you know, me picking against you, maybe that helped guarantee that you got that win. You never know. It could be. But uh, I will be back to uh, voting just for Ohio from the future. See what happens when I go away from it. I'm wrong. And now I'm going to fall to the bottom of our list at the staff picks. But that's all right. Um, final thoughts. Uh, Daniel uh, Cormier, what a what a great fight, man. Daniel uh, is, a, is a driven man and... Uh, you know, it was a really, very good fight. Uh, Vulcan will be back strong. Uh, he's got a long career ahead of him. I like the whole um, thing with it. Daniel, you know, really kind of supporting him. You know, they had words and, you know, we're kind of going at each other through the week, but it still seemed like it was respectful. In the end, um, Vulcan had a lot of respect for Daniel as a competitor and what he was able to do and what he does in the sport. And Daniel had a lot of respect for Vulcan, what he's been able to do in such a, a short amount of time, and he's confident that one day he will be a champion, uh, that he will do what he needs to do uh, to 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 attain uh, the top of the division. Uh, just not right now. But uh, Daniel's speech afterwards was very, very moving, um, especially the part at the end when he was explaining uh, the downtimes and uh, uh, that comment about his son coming up to him while he was crying on the couch. Um, that was moving. I think everybody at the end of that uh, was kind of breathing a little heavy and just kind of like, whoa. You know, I saw cameramen on both sides of me that were fathers uh, really just have that moment um, kind of putting himself in Daniel's uh, shoes at that point and imagining what that would feel like. And I am not, I'm not a father, but I still am a human <laughs> and was still very moved by it. Uh, so it was uh, it was something, man. I was I was very proud of what Daniel was able to do, and proud of how he carried himself afterwards. And I was very uh, I was uh, thankful that he was willing to share such a moment because it's I think it's those human moments when you hear stuff like that. It kind of uh, brings you back to what it's all about, and the and the gains and the losses that are involved, and what these fighters do. I think anybody in any occupation, if you're willing to sacrifice so much of yourself you realize that it does affect those around you and uh, there are good moments and there are bad moments. And uh, I think by sharing those moments with people around you, we all better understand um, 
uh, I don't know, life, human, humanity, you know, um, the things that people have to go through. And I think you better respect and you makes it, um, I don't know, hopefully it makes it a little tougher for you to quickly judge people or quickly say something. Maybe next time, instead of somebody having the urge to immediately troll somebody when something bad happens, uh, you think about the other circumstances that might be going on there. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, hopefully maybe little stories like that make in some way uh, help us all just uh, remember, you know, um, the people around us. When, when we do what we do, we all sacrifice, we all do things. But, you know, definitely uh, don't think that you're in that sacrifice alone. Your family does suffer or gain in your moments of success. So, um, it's good to have family around, and I appreciated that he, uh, you know, was definitely giving um, all the glory to his family and and the support and what they did for him and what how that drives him forward. Um, I definitely think it's uh, good if we can all find that in our own lives to help push us forward. Um, Stepe, you are the baddest man on the planet. Uh, you did what you needed to do. I want to make sure uh, that I I am with you, brother. Um, Sorry I picked against you. Um, I won't do it again um, now, yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you continue to uh, uphold yourself in such a wonderful manner. I love his post-fight uh, antics, too. Stipe is always short in his uh, his answers a lot of times. But every once in a while, especially when he's teasing somebody, he's quick with that laugh. And he's quick, nah, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, he's a bad dude, man. He, he did what he needed to do. And uh, did it in devastating fashion. He ate some good punches, and, and you could definitely see it wearing his face. But he took it better than anybody else has taken uh, France's punches. So uh, that is the baddest man on the planet right now. And congrats on getting uh, to a record of defenses. And I hope you get many, many more, my friend. Um, it was fun watching those fights, guys. I had a really, really good time in Boston. Uh, again, I hope to go back and, uh, uh, you know, enjoy the city a little bit and uh, uh, see some of the historical sites. But, uh, man, what a good event. Uh, I'll be in Charlotte next week, so uh, I'll be solo. So John will probably be doing one of his uh, uh, solo shows next week, but uh, I'll try to send some audio for you guys. But uh, thank you all for listening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss it back on to John. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, be good, people. Um, do good work, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. All right, good stuff from my man, Cole Coffee, holding it down out in Boston. We're going to be apart again this week. We're going to be split up, man, which sucks. It's the reality of, of what we're doing. We're trying to do as much coverage as we can, but <sighs> as I think about just about getting on a plane and going to have meetings, budget talks are real, man. Budget talks are real. You know, everybody's trying to cut back, cut back, cut back. And we, you know, we want to do as much as we can, so we make sacrifices. So the plan this week Cold Coffee will be out in Charlotte, North Carolina, rolling solo for USC on Fox 27. Jacare versus Brunson 2. I will be in Temecula, California uh, for Bellator 193. Larkin versus Gonzalez. Um, I'm actually going to take Saturday out. I'm going to be watching Saturday night the Jacare versus Brunson fight. I'm going to be watching that as a fan. It's my wife's birthday. Uh, so we're going to go, I think, uh, to Top Golf. Maybe watch some fights, play a little golf, drink a couple of frosty beverages, hang out like that. Uh, so I'm going to do Temecula on Friday night, fly home on Saturday, and enjoy um, the wife's birthday. Meanwhile, Cold Coffee will be out there in Charlotte handling business by himself. But we'll still we'll still find a way to get uh, hopefully entertaining 
content to you from both locations. We're trying to do more, even if it means we're split up a little bit in the meantime. So, all right, listen, I got to run. I apologize again for the delay. I got to go jump on a plane, get back to L.A., get to the uh, USA Today meetings with our, our corporate overlords. But uh, appreciate your patience, and I uh, hope you guys found the content entertaining anyway. And, uh, well, even if you thought it sucked, I'll say anyway. Thanks for listening. Thank you.